the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Rachel, we were really nice to the Oilers last episode. We yeah, were. We were. We were really nice. We thought, um, you know, that, that, and they're on a 14-game win streak. They're doing great. They deserve niceness. Yes. Now, however, um, I think it's important that we keep the Oilers, we keep them humble. Okay. Because I stumbled upon a, a tweet of sorts from, uh, you know, from usually he's, he's trolling, but now there's real hard facts on this. So it's from producer Drew. Oh, dear. And uh, he went, the Oilers have beat, these, these are the teams that the Oilers have beaten during their current 14-game win streak. Um, and next to them are their places in the league standing. So the first one was New York, Rangers. Quick is in net, and they're seventh in the league. So, But Quick was in net. Yeah, he's also ha- has he's a 920. So very that doesn't year. even count. Philadelphia, they're ninth. Surprising team, but still they're Top ninth. Top 10 team. Yeah. Toronto, <laughs> Toronto, that's what they beat. They're 13th, but they were in quotes reeling. You know, but whatever. Still. Um, the next one was the Kings. They're four, oh my god! 14th, and there's they're two and eight in their last ten. A lot going on there that we might. And they be, collapsed last night. Yeah, that yeah. we we're going to talk about on Monday. Next one is Detroit. They're 15th. Uh, New Jersey is 16th, and their goaltending is legendarily bad. Uh, the next one is Seattle. 23rd. So every team you've named thus far mm, is top half team in the league. 23rd Just in so the we're league. Clear. They've lost four straight. Then there's Calgary in 24th, Montreal in 26th, Ottawa in 28th, Columbus in 29th, Anaheim in 30th, Chicago in 31st, and San Jose in 32nd. Okay, so, so eight of the teams were, they've played half and half. Yeah. I Okay, so I'm going to say this. I think tweets like that are nonsense. Because if you look at the NHL, anyone can be anyone on mm-hmm. any given night. There's a reason the Blackhawks are winning. There's a reason that the Coyotes are winning. There's a reason that... They didn't win last night. But there's a reason that, like, the Kings can just fall off because at any given point, any team can win. I think we know the real reason why the Kings have fallen off. Well, we're not we're not talking about the Kings. This no, no spoiler alert. Um, um, but what I... Like, I think tweets like that are... Honestly, they're nonsense, especially in a league like the NHL, because any team can win on any given night. Like, we talk about randomness, and if you know anything about sports and the luck versus skill continuum hockey falls firmly on the luck continuum as opposed Mm -hmm. to the skill continuum and so you know what the oilers have won 14 straight so it doesn't matter who they've beaten they've won 14 straight and they it might mean that they lose their streak to chicago because chicago can beat them the fact of the matter is is to win 14 straight in the national hockey league has not been done since you and i were born so it's hard to do and you can poo poo on it and say, Oh, they've played these teams. The reality is, is they've played two top. They've played half their games against top half teams in the league. And so crap like that. I just, I think is nonsense. So I, I, I respect that. However, your argument does not fit my narrative. And therefore I, uh, therefore I will say that they are frauds. Okay. Well, in my opinion, um, so yeah, I wanted to open the show with with. They're a top five team analytically in the league, so mm-hmm. I really don't care what Drew has to say when it comes to that kind of thing. Well, you know, like I said, I don't I don't like the Oilers, and that's my narrative. So I'm going to stick with it, Drew, hundred percent. Um, all right, the PWHL report, Rachel. Let's do it. Our weekly PWHL report. Um, we need to get like some. We need to get a stinger of some sort, but uh, yeah, the PWHL. PWHL report is here. The league is thriving. The freaking prime minister of Canada was, was out there clapping at two times speed. Uh, did you see that clip? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know what he just got up and everyone around him was clapping like a normal person. And he just went like, <laughs> like, really, like I, I don't understand what it was, but Hey, good for him. Um, he was there. He was wearing a Jersey. He was talking to the teams. He was chirping. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, Trudeau was at, he was at Ottawa, Boston. All these have been great games so far. I, I saw it. I felt like the mayor of Boston was at like one of the Boston PWHL games too. Believe they, I uh, believe they were. Um, however, however, um, let's talk about Marie Philippe Poulin. Let's talk about the goat. 
Let's have some goat. goat. Let's have some goat talk. Uh, starting out here. So she started out the season. People are wondering where where did Marie Philippe Poulin go? Where did MPP go? Because she hadn't scored a goal in like ten months or yeah. nine months, something like that. She had a, a, a well, like obviously because PWHL they weren't playing, but then she yeah. had like a dry spell in the past, like yeah. rivalry games. It and was so weird. we're like, what what happened? And now, boom, you know, a couple games later, she's the leading scorer in the league. <laughs> I love That's it. what goats do. <laughs> she she goes like eight, nine, ten months without scoring, whatever it was, and then. First two games, she doesn't score a goal, and people are like, uh, is everything okay? Okay, well, she's uh now played seven games. She's leading the league in goal scoring. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. She's got six goals, she's killing it. She's back to being the goat. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, are we even are we even surprised at this point? Like <laughs> See, that's the thing about elite athletes. You know, that's the thing about like the the Michael Jordans, LeBron Jameses, the, you know, the McDavid's, the Gretzky's, the all, you know, the all that is that like Serena Williams, Serena Williams is that, yeah. you know, like they immediately respond to yeah. to crit like criticism or, you know, if there's a trend going on, they immediately respond. You always see, you know, like like we could go in today and be like, Oh, Connor McDavid hasn't scored in like three straight games. And that could be a big headline. You get like, and then you he put scores the, five points. Yeah, that you night. put the money on him scoring like six points the next night because that happens. LeBron does it all the time. Uh, uh, like Jordan did it all the time. And Marie Philippe Poulain is in that conversation. Everyone's like, what happened? 10 months. No, Marie Philippe Poulain, no goals, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And then boom, she comes out and now she's the league leader in goals again. Like it's like, it's nothing. She like just showed nothing. up and she's like, yeah, actually, I'm back. I'm back. Now, Alex Carpenter as well. Eight points. Uh, PWHL league, New York. Yes, league leading in her own right in points. Um, just what New York's got going on in particular. They seem like a team that is really, really fascinating. Yeah, they're they're fascinating. I mean, they, they had a great battle uh, the other night. And I think they're probably like watching some of the games like, they're definitely a contender to win in the first year. Absolutely. They've they've got depth top to bottom in their lineup. They've got a good goaltender. And when you've got the league leading point getter, that that always helps. They've got a couple players that are a point per game Mm -hmm. so far. And obviously, like, they've played seven games. Um, I believe they've played seven games. And when you look at it, like, I mean, the first the first game that they played against Toronto, like they were so clearly the best team. Yeah. And there have been quite a few games where New York has been the better team. And I believe their record, I want to say is like five, one and one or something, something like, that. like that. It's yeah. I don't have it off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but they're, they're doing really well. Um, unfortunately, like we don't have a ton of analytics on them, but I'm actually working on figuring out a way to get those. That'll grow. Um, but I think, yeah, like obviously it's a fledgling, league i'm not expecting to have analytics like the league the nhl doesn't even count shots properly so to expect the pwhl to be like here's the coursey is probably a little unrealistic Mm -hmm. and so um but it it would be cool i can't wait to get to that point where like we can do in-depth deep like analytics deep dives into pwhl players but new york looks good good you know what what i learned or when i sort of it established to me that the the pwhl was a real hockey league is when it was reported that its first player went on long-term injured reserve <laughs> this yes. week. I believe it was New York who put a player on long-term injured reserve this week, and that's when I knew this 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 league is here to stay. It's a real league. Um, so so there was an interesting thing that happened in uh, in the Toronto Ottawa PWHL game on Tuesday. Okay. Um, namely that it it sort of uh, the it gave us an interesting insight into the jailbreak rule that they have, which is if you're on a power play and you get scored on shorthanded, the power play is over. Right. Which I love. I love that. I rule. think that it's great. Um, and in this game, so Toronto was down by one late in the game and they, and they pulled, uh, they pulled their goalie. They pulled how, and by the way, the Toronto, the uh, PWHL Toronto, not having good goaltending again, they're a real Toronto hockey team. right? Yeah. There. They fit right fit in. Right in. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so they, they pulled their goalie, they get a six on four and then the team, and then unfortunately they, 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 they let up an empty net goal and then boom, their power play is over. And they're down two now. And now they're down two. Yeah, I, I wonder. So I like the rule, but I do wonder if there has to be a tweak there of if it's an empty net goal, it doesn't yeah. count. Because otherwise, it's going to 
like Troy Ryan, who coaches Toronto, yeah. is probably going to think twice about pulling his goalie. And then that reduces the chance of a goal being scored. Reduces so the I, fun. I think it has to be like, should you be rewarded? Yes. But I think you should actually have to score on a goalie to have the jailbreak. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think if it's a six on four and you just fire the puck down the ice, that shouldn't be a jailbreak. I wonder if that, if the jailbreak rule should, it should be like a two minute warning thing in football where, you, where coaches aren't allowed to challenge in the two minute warning, whatever, where like if the jailbreak rule shouldn't apply in the last like two minutes of a game. Like, because I, I think that, that yeah. fosters comebacks and obviously comebacks are exciting and fun. But like in this game, like, you know, it's, it's super intense. You're down by one, you pull your goalie. Cause you're you, trying to score. Exactly. And you get an empty netter. And then that's just the, that's like, you might as well take an E after that. You right. Know? And so I think maybe in like the last two minutes of regulation, the jailbreak rule, it should like, should be sort of abolished in a way that like it happens in other sports in the NFL, you know, in the two minute warning, coaches aren't allowed to challenge stuff. You know, like you're not allowed it's to do It's a booth review. You know? Yeah, it's exactly like rules go away. And obviously there's going to be like tweaks to rules yes. because I do wonder about the impact of it because now obviously they're probably not changing it in season. Yeah. But next season, now like you're not going to see goalies pulled to make it six on four. And that's what we want. Like we want a six on four. And and so do I like the rule generally speaking? Yeah, I, I love the rule. I think it's a fantastic idea. But mm. I do wonder if it's like if it's an empty net, like you actually have to score on a goalie for it to be a jailbreak mm. kind of thing. I think that maybe instead of like last two minutes, they just have to say it has to be on a goalie. Yeah. Because what if it's three and a half minutes left to go? Yeah, no, right? that's true. So, but I like your where it's kind of like you have to tweak it based on the situation in the same way that like other leagues do it, or you could just be curmudgeonly like the NHL and not change mm-hmm. anything. But the PWHL has shown that they're a little bit more forward thinking, yeah. and so I think, and they're willing to change, they're willing to adapt. Right. It seems, and so yeah. I, I think we see something like that because they're gonna look at this and realize, ooh, this might happen more often than we think it does, and we obviously don't want to encourage coaches to not pull their goalies to try and score. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's exactly. not what we're trying to do either. And, you know, then again, you know, it, with the you have to score on a goalie, it might take away from the potential of something like what the Penguins did <laughs> this week, which is score on your own empty net while there's a delayed penalty. <laughs> well, I mean, if I know you that's score a one on in a million own, thing if you score on your own net like that. Yeah, I know that's, that's a one in a million problem. thing, but it's very funny. Um, but speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, you know, the, the the league, the PWHL has always said this will not be a sixteen league forever. You know, this right. is just these are this is just our version of the original six, and it seems like Pittsburgh is going to be the next team, or at least like it's in it's the favorite to be the next team. I would say because listen, they're hosting a neutral site game this season. They're expected to. Yeah, I think we're probably they're not going to just expand to seven, right? I no, think no, they no. probably go like, like eight or ten. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think they'll expand right away next season. They'll probably no, give it two so. years of stability. Um, and the president of business ops for the PWHL said uh, we've expressed interest in hosting. No, the Penguins. Oh, sorry, president the Penguins. Of business ops for the Penguins. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, saying we've expressed interest because listen, Pittsburgh is a is a great hockey city, an incredible hockey city. They would. They, you know, they they would uh, uh, surround this team. And well, they've got the lift Penguins, up this team. Robert Morris. Want to say no? Penn State's in Philly, I think. But does Pitt have a hockey team? Pitt has a hockey mm-hmm. team. Like Pittsburgh is a great hockey city that actually gets support. Like we, Toronto's not a hockey city. No, Toronto's, Toronto's a, city. a leaf city. Every right? other like, the hockey Marlies team. Don't get support. The Steelheads don't get support. Like the Marlies get some support, but it's only, same. but it's only because of their affiliation with the Leafs. Right. It's, it's not to the same degree. Whereas in Pittsburgh, like Robert Morris gets support. Pitt gets support. Mm-hmm. The Penguins get support. When the PWHL goes there, it gets support. Yeah. And so I like the fact that the, the Penguins have said, like, we've taken note of all the success that the PWHL is having, all the records that are being broken. We've had, like, preliminary conversations with the PWHL. We've expressed interest. We They talked about the different arenas where, like, the, at the Penns practice facility where they have two NHL-sized mm-hmm. rings. There's room for a third, and maybe they could do a partnership with Robert Morris. There's so many options that I think present pittsburgh as such a great market Mm -hmm. for pwhl expansion and when you think about it 
Oh my God, if you could get it in there while Crosby is still playing for the Penguins and take advantage of what like Marcus Foligno is doing in Minnesota or what Austin Matthews and William Nylander are doing in Toronto, like take advantage of the fact that there are like hockey superstars there to help grow the game. I think it'd be huge. It would be extremely ideal to get it in there when Crosby is still playing. However, if he's not, it still doesn't preclude him from doing what like a Bergeron's doing for PWHL Boston because he is and like, he's going to do it a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and, and whether or not Crosby stays in, in Pittsburgh after he retires or not, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about him, you know, but uh, uh, like, you know, he could want to live in Hawaii. He could want to live wherever. I don't know. Um, but uh, like, it's important to have ambassadors and there is no better ambassador than Sidney Crosby or for any, hockey in Pittsburgh, for hockey yeah. in Pittsburgh, but also like, you know, you get him in there when potentially this core of the team is still there, and you have the likes of Malkin, of Latang, of Eric Carlson, Mario Lemieux. You know, guys like like you know like the, Pittsburgh has a lot of legends and yep. a lot of legends that stay local, and it would be very important for them to throw their their uh, their support behind it. It could be like. I don't think we have to talk ourselves into PWHL markets anymore. I think this would just be a great idea. And once the financials work, once the league gets itself further established, once teams start moving into bigger buildings, maybe because, you know, like we, like the Toronto is already selling out Madame Athletic Center every night. And it's, oh, two, it's, it's, it's about it's about 3000 seats. So maybe they move into Coca-Cola Coliseum. Maybe they move, uh, you know, in, into into a, a different sort of rank. But like once these teams start moving into bigger into bigger ranks um, and you can, and you start selling those out and you realize, okay, this is continually feasible. Pittsburgh would be great. And I think, I think PWHL Pittsburgh also, you want to launch this when teams get names. Yes. You don't want it to be called PWHL Pittsburgh. You want it to be called the Pittsburgh. Somethings. Penguinettes, the Pittsburgh, not uh, even like, not even like the Pittsburgh uh, pennies, pennies. Oh, that'd be a good name. Actually. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, I think, I think it's great. And yeah, that we has do been, love to see it. Yes. Now, speaking of expansion, the in the most perfectly timed. Well, drop my mic there, Rachel. In the most perfectly timed uh, expansion news um, that could possibly be put out there ever, ever. Uh, the uh, the NHL wants to exp- or you not the NHL wants to expand to Utah. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Utah wants the NHL to expand to it. Um, because, uh, the, the head of the, of Ryan or, and Ashley Smith. Yes. Ryan Smith, which is the most Utah name. I can, so I've he owns heard. what I will say is I, I do know a little bit about Ryan Smith because he's been in the sports world for quite a while. Oilers legend. Um, no, but he uh, he owns the Utah Jazz. Yes, he does. And they've done a lot of good things since he took over. Like they're, they've made a lot of positive strides since he's mm-hmm. taken over. Um, they're they, not painfully mid anymore. Yeah, they are also building a new rink because of the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. But that's in 2034, right? And they were, but they're they're intending on speeding up that timeline, yes. anyways. Um, they're, I believe it's the Delta Center, is already able to be used for hockey. It's not ideal. But it's more it's more usable than what was happening in Brooklyn mm-hmm. at where the, the Barclays Center. Yeah, the Barclays Center. That with the, was with the off kilter jumbotron, right. which just like drove me insane to violence. Like it was oh my bad. Goodness. Yeah, no, the Delta Center is obviously it's made for basketball, but so was uh, the Air Canada Center, which is now Scotiabank Arena. That was a basketball yeah, facility, and then the Leafs also moved in there. Like it wasn't made for hockey. No. Which is kind of hard to believe now that you think about it. Because they had to rip up the floor, install ice, and then put the floor back on. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, ah, but crazy. So Ryan Smith is actually, I think he would end up being a fantastic NHL owner. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not Mark Cuban. No. But he is sort of along that line mm-hmm. in terms of how he does his business, how he thinks about his team, how he values his employees. And I think anytime we can have ownership like that, that's positive. Having said that, there are 32 teams in the National Hockey League. Half of them rely on revenue sharing from teams like the Leafs, the Rangers, Montreal, Boston, Philly, Boston, Chicago, yeah. to even stay afloat. You should not be adding teams to your goddamn league if you can barely have, like, barely keep the ones that you have. The only reason, that, the literally the only reason the NHL would consider this is because of the expansion fee. Because it would be it's ridiculous because, because it would be a billion dollars basically back into the line. Not healthy for the viability mm. of the franchises. And I do like that they put in their press release that they can take a team now because if you remember the Arizona Coyotes were given a deadline of so, the All Star break. So 
important that you said that because Marty Walsh was uh, interviewed recently. That's the head of the PA, in case anyone out there doesn't know. Um, the new head of the PA. And he goes, uh, we're going to have to... F- the, the Arizona Coyotes were talking about how, oh, we're going to find a new place pretty quickly. And we had heard spots. We had heard talk of that. You know, yeah, right we've heard a garbage dump. When, we've heard... No, but even right after they, right after the citizens of Tempe <laughs> said, no, you're not allowed to build on our, on our precious garbage dump. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a staple of our community and you cannot build your tax free stadium on it. Um, uh, they, they were going to do, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like in this, in the, the most, literally the most like Republican belt in, in, uh, and the Republicans were like, no. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so Marty Walsh here goes, Oh, they're going to, they were talking about, Oh, we're going to find a new place pretty quickly. Well, the year has gone by and they haven't found anything, at least to my knowledge. So the clock is ticking on Arizona, in my opinion. And Friedman, Elliot Friedman. Marty Walsh said that? Marty Walsh said that. Wow. Okay, so that you know what that tells me? Because Marty Walsh is really measured with his words. Like we're talking about somebody who was in the White House. Yeah. Right? As the the, the minister of labor. The labor minister. Right? He's pretty careful with his words. When he says the clock is ticking, that is the very polite way of saying the players are absolutely furious and we're having some serious discussions behind the scenes. yeah like in in the in the movie the irishman there there there's a scene where they talk about how mobsters talk and they're like when they come to mm-hmm. me and they say it might be a little it might be uh, uh it might be i'm a little concerned you go the guy's pretty fucking concerned and when he says i'm concerned it's it's like defcon one it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah. and so this is marty marty walsh saying i'm a little concerned which means he's pretty he's pretty effing concerned he's not happy yeah um, and so, and, and then Elliot Friedman goes on, uh, okay. and after he says to me, this is a message to the Arizona coyotes. Uh, the NHL has basically said they need to know about Arizona by the all-star break. And right now, as we re- we're recording this, it's July 20 or July, it January, is very, not. very much not July is January 25th. The all-star, the all-star week or all-star break or whatever is in one week. Right. By so, week start on Monday. Yeah. Like the all-star break officially kicks in Thursday. Is it, yeah. Thursday. So by next Thursday. So literally a week from today, seven days from today, when Gary Bettman holds his state of the union or whatever. all-star media yeah. availability. We want an answer. Yeah. That's basically what they've said. And unless they have something going crazy, uh, you know, unless they have something crazy in their back pocket right now, like that can, that can transform in a week. Like things are looking weird. This, I think, yeah, like, I think this is less about expansion, because if you remember Mark Chipman, who mm-hmm. is the owner of the Jets. Yes. He was like, first of all, Mark Chipman, from like everything I've heard, I I know people who have like worked for him, like in business and with the Jets who have said like he's mm-hmm. the best owner they've ever had. He's also just a very, very, very rich man. Like he yeah. like he's but the, he's, yeah. he's not like. He's one of those people like when uh, Adam Johnson passed away, he basically was like any player that wants to go to the funeral is going on my private Mm -hmm. charter. No questions asked. Like he didn't even flinch. You know what I remember about Mark Chipman is during the 2013, uh, 2012-13 lockout when they're in a boardroom and (laughs) and, uh, Mark Chipman stands up and tries to say, hey, can we like get back to playing? And Jeremy Jacobs turned him and says, sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up to to Mark Chipman. And God, I hate uh, what a what a great thing. Um, but anyway. But I think, okay, so what I was going to say about Mark Chipman is when the whole Atlanta-Winnipeg thing was going down, Mark Chipman made it clear that, like, he wanted to bring a team to Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. But instead of being uber bombastic about it, he took direction from the league. He, did? he only said things when the league said, yes, you're allowed to say this. Mm-hmm. My tinfoil, not even my tinfoil hat. Here's what I think happened. Ryan Smith has had a relationship with the National Hockey yep. League for a couple of years now. My inclination is that we're approaching All-Star break. As of yesterday, we were basically a week out. Mm-hmm. I think there was probably like a hint, hint, nudge, nudge of at some point in the next week, release this and you can say we can take a team now because that will signal mm-hmm. to Arizona, we're not kidding. Yes. So, But now what it's done is it's put that right at the forefront of the conversation. Do I like the timing of when it came out? We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get no, into that. No, but what I will say is I can, with 100% certainty, guarantee you that Ryan Smith was not communicating with the London, Ontario Police yeah. Department. So here's why I think that this, that at least from Ryan Smith's angle of it, this was not... Um, nefarious. Not nefarious, because this information was embargoed until Wednesday. Like, yes. Like, reporters knew this, 
and it was embargoed until Wednesday. And I think this and from everything that that I have been that I have heard and everything about the process that I've seen, it seems like the league has been taken aback by the topic we will inevitably have to talk about next more than they were trying to get this out. Yeah. Like it, it, it just seems like it's unfortunate timing. Um, no now, do I think maybe we could have gone like, Hey Ryan, maybe just chill, Saturday. Pump, pump the brakes on Saturday. that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like wait till the all-star game release it during hockey night in Canada. Yeah. Or do something like that, <laughs> you know, instead of a Wednesday morning, you know, who knows, Wednesday, but you know what? Thursday morning would have been even fine. Thursday. Exactly. Um, now you I I would be I would be shocked. I, I would be flummoxed if Utah does not get a team. Whether it's through expansion or whether it's well, the, through the relocation. Cannot, so what we were told when I was working in the league is that the league cannot go to thirty three without mm-hmm. going to thirty six. Thirty six? Yeah. That's way too many teams. Yeah. So they, this will there listen, it depends on if the league values it, basically watering down their own product. Well, for because there's not enough. Oh, frankly, there's just not enough good players for 36. Teams. Yeah. And there's, there's not, barely enough for 32. I don't know if there's enough markets for 36. Like, uh, yes, can, there are. There's, you have Atlanta, Utah, Houston and Quebec. People keep saying Quebec is going to is going to work. And I've always been skeptical. Oh, I think Quebec will you work. So? I, okay. I just I. But once again, you have half of the teams relying on revenue sharing payments to stay afloat. Until at least 25 teams are in the black, you cannot expand yeah. anymore. And you have a team. You have a team that's playing in a, in a, in a Costco right now. Yeah, like you have a team. In a college rink. You have a team that's playing in front of 5,000 fans every night. It's, it's an, it's an oddity. It's an oddity. We've tried to dress it up like it's not. We have local reporters there talking about how great it is. There are more is. people. Mike, get this. There are more people who show up to watch the PWHL games than watching the Arizona Coyotes and we're sitting here having a conversation about the viability of the PWHL. There's a national hockey league team that gets less fans than the PWHL teams. So instead of talking about the PWHL and its viability when they're selling out every game, let's maybe talk about the fact that there is an NHL franchise that doesn't get as many fans at games as the PWHL does. That doesn't even have like the capacity to get as many fans exactly. at games. And so And it's not fair to the fans. It's not an indictment of them. It's the fact that you Ryan Smith has proven he can be an owner in sports. Mm-hmm. Very what like cut and dry. And you need somebody in Arizona, because you've had like three or four now that are completely unreliable. You need somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah. It's that simple. And Ryan Smith seems he got basketball to work in Utah. And if Ryan Smith wants to come in and say, you know what, maybe it's not in Utah because Utah is also like a crazy religious state. I was going to say, you cannot put a team there if you can't go to the bar after midnight. Like, I'm sorry, but that's not going to work. Ryan Smith got a bunch of Mormons to care about basketball. So I think it's. Yeah. But the thing is, what I'm saying is, is like, I don't want hockey to be ripped out of Arizona. I want that team taken away from that owner because I don't think it's viable. The other thing I want to point out is if you look at the Rogers Center, which is the baseball stadium in Toronto, it's undergoing a $300 million renovation. Mm -hmm. That that is also like last summer, I believe. Private money. Yes. Was last summer not also a $300 million? If you are rich enough to own a sporting team, Mm -hmm. you are rich enough to build the building for it to play in, you should not be relying on public money. And the Absolutely fact that the Morello family continues to say we need public money, you're not fit to own a team. And your fans deserve better. I Listen, I understand why rich people do this. Because if you have an opportunity to not pay for something, you're going to try and explore that opportunity no matter how much money you have. But this is too long But now. this is insane. And how many how many chances? Like, I'm so sick. I'm so yeah. sick of seeing this situation. It's like I'm, It's like we're being gaslit. Like I like every day, whenever I see something about the Arizona Coyotes, like that's not directly about their performance on the ice. I feel like I'm being lied to, like I'm being gaslit. Like every time we talk about how, oh, there's like there's like a, there's 5000 fans seeing this. Oh, the, the the opposing coach has to do his media availability outside, because, like literally in a tent. They outside. have to walk. Let me tell you, something. they have to walk outside it's a four minute walk. Yes, it is a four minute walk from the visitor's dressing room. To the ice. Like it's not feasible. And yet all I see from like low and I get why local media is doing this because it's there. It's like they're fighting to keep a job. They're fighting to keep 
acts and this like is their not livelihood. an indictment of them it's not or them. the fans but I feel like I'm being lied to or gaslit every time I see this. Even after this comes out, reporters are going out and saying like all typical hot take stuff like that, you know, like the reporting hot takes instead of actual facts. Okay, then you give me the facts. The f- here t- are the facts. You don't have an arena. The facts are you don't have an arena. You don't even have a land to build an arena. Rachel, I called up the Glendale city manager two <laughs> yes. years ago and I talked to him and he said, like in, in the most politician way possible, these guys are the biggest pain in our ass that we can possibly have. And we cannot wait to get them out of wherever they are. Like they have not paid the rent, their vendor costs. And they, that's not that's not the team's fault. That's the owner. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. Like if if you could find a really rich dude that said. F it, I'm building my own building. Like I'm, I don't need city money. I don't need state mm-hmm. money. I'm building my own building. I've, and I'm keeping them in Arizona. That's what I would want. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the situation is, is there's no owner right now that's like, I can keep them in Arizona because the guy who's there right now is not viable. And Ryan Smith is a viable owner. And if that's the option, then I'm sorry, but that is what needs to happen because we cannot continue to revenue share for a team that has less seating availability than PWHL teams who are in their first year. Like the Leafs have more like luxury box seats than than the Arizona Coyotes have actual seats in their building. Yes, like five thousand seven hundred and eighty. Yes, like the the luxury suite capacity in the in the Scotiabank Arena is more than is more than the actual capacity at also. Mullet Arena. If you think for one second that Quebec City is not a more viable option right now. Than There's whatever a very the low Arizona bar. Coyotes are doing. That's a very low bar. I have a bridge to sell you. There's a, that's a very low bar. We have but to put that. Yes. Like, but they, but the that, that so, is the bar that we're so at. Utah, Houston, Atlanta. Like Arizona is a viable hockey market mm-hmm. if you have the right owner. And yeah. right now, they don't. once again, the NHL has done a real shit job of getting a proper owner in there. Mm-hmm. They want, they're trying to jam a square peg into a round hole when the reality is, is they need somebody who just wants to own a team and is willing to foot the bill. Yeah. If you're not willing to foot the bill like Michael Ann Lauer was, right? Think of all the crap Michael Ann Lauer has had to face oh, since we're taking about to, over the Sens. We're about to talk about that. <laughs> right? Think about all the crap that that guy and the fines and like yeah. everything he's had to deal with. And he's taking it on the chin and he's footing the bill. He's not asking for public money. No. So you need an owner that's willing to do that in Arizona. And if you can't have that, then I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. the team has to move. Yeah. Now, and I don't want it to move no. because I think Arizona's a great hockey market. But you don't have a choice right now. No. You it can't keep going on like this. And I believe they only have one more year left on their deal. Yes. To be in mullet. Like they it's three it ends year, in twenty twenty three year deal. Or sorry, it ends in twenty twenty five. It started. Yeah. So time, clock's ticking, just like Marty Balsh said. All right, Rachel. We so Last episode. Time to pivot. Yeah. So last episode. Uh, yeah. We talked about the fact that we th- thought it was nice that the Calgary Flames, they put out a statement saying that Dylan Dubé had asked to take leave for mental health reasons and mm. that they were going to support him. Yeah. And they had a player, Oliver Shillington, who's now coming back. And we talked about Sam Gerrard and Connor Ingram. It turns out. Hey, we and we don't know this for sure. That it may not be mm-hmm. for the reasons that we discussed on Monday. So. And so what we want to do is say we still absolutely support the Calgary Flames, the Colorado Avalanche, the Arizona Coyotes supporting their players getting mental health help for actual mental health reasons. Like what the Avs did for Sam Gerard, what the Coyotes did for Connor Ingram. That behavior and what the Flames did for Connor or Oliver, Oliver Shillington. We support that, and mm-hmm. we would like teams to continue to do that. Having that said being that, said, so the London Police, London Ontario Police, on yesterday, according to a report by, by Robin, Robin Doolittle of the Globe and Mail, which cites an official affidavit that was filed with the Ontario Court, um, is that the London Police Department has sent out a re- like basically requests. For five members of the 2018 World Junior Team to report to London to turn themselves in and face charges. So they have issued what's called, I'm going to do legal here. Issued a summons, basically. They have been yes. issued a summons request mm-hmm. by the court. Yep. Okay. 
So they have not been formally charged. But in order to issue a summons request, charges have to have been filed. Yes. So while they have not been formally charged. It's a matter of time. The charges have themselves Mm -hmm. have been filed. Yes. So they are in the system. Now, a couple of things, because we have some U.S. listeners, and I spoke. I spent a lot of time yesterday speaking to lawyers on both sides of the border so that I got this correct. In the U.S., when things like this are filed on the court document, they are docket. They are a matter of public record, which yes. is how we found out about mm-hmm. various athletes being charged with things. In Canada, not everything is on the public docket. Mm-hmm. You can submit a freedom of information request. And it can be denied. Exactly. So, in this particular case, we may not get the full scope of everything because the victim who, I, I like I said, I spoke to a lot of lawyers, some of which actually practice in London, and they said there is no way that these charges have been filed, which they have, if the victim is not cooperating with police. So here's how it works. Civilly, she had a settlement. That does not have any bearing on a police investigation yeah. or a criminal decision. There's a difference between a civil lawsuit and a civil trial and a criminal lawsuit and a criminal trial. And the best example right now is Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Because Donald Trump, was found civilly to have sexually assaulted E. Jean Carroll and is now in his damages trial, mm-hmm. right? He's not going to be criminally prosecuted because he did it while he was president, and that is an entirely different situation. However, it is important to note that in Canada, the victim does not press charges for sexual assault. The Crown does. The Crown mm-hmm. does. And so for anyone that wants to say, she waited this long, X, Y, Z. She didn't wait to do anything. She went the day after to the police, yeah. and it took them this long to close their investigation and then be pressured to reopen it by the feds. Yep. And then now the Crown has said, okay, we have enough evidence not to charge everyone, but to charge these five individuals. Yeah. Now, like you said, Rick West had uh, spoke with a bunch of different lawyers and a bunch of prosecutors that, that would have knowledge of cases like this and said that there is the assumption that, that the, the victim named EM in, in court documents, that she is going to, like you said, cooperate and testify in open court. Right. And so then what I was told was if she actually is testifying, what is likely to happen, and this happens, it can Mm. happen in the States, but it's more frequent in Canada is we focus a lot on, lately and sam chang i highly recommend you follow her Mm -hmm. because she is a member of the the bar she's an actual lawyer and she knows her stuff canada the supreme court of canada has openly said that our justice system is not properly equipped to properly prosecute sexual assault Mm -hmm. it does not do it properly and so there need to be changes made one of the positive changes that has been made recently is that in situations like this where there are multiple people involved in the same incident, instead of each of them having a separate trial and EM having to testify at five separate trials and completely having to relive and re-traumatize herself, she is going, what is likely going to happen is if they don't plead, they are going to amalgamate and have one trial, all five of them, so that she only has to take the stand once. Because once is traumatizing enough. Absolutely. And what's very interesting, too, is that in Canada, each individual uh, victim has to have their own lawyer. Yes. Not not victim, sorry. uh, Like, defendant. And the victim has to have a lawyer Yes, yes. But I mean, like, instead of having one defense attorney take all these people on, like, they each have to have their own legal defense team, which is then another thing why this could take time. Now... This, uh, based on everything that we know, the the court has deemed that there is no immediate danger to the public uh, with right. this. So, in cases like that, um, when they send out a summons, uh, uh, the the people like sort they of show the, up, the they get fingerprinted, the and then they leave. Have, but I'm gonna say the timeline is up to two weeks. Yes. So right now, uh, Dylan Dubé, Michael McLeod, Cal Foot. And Alex, Alex Formenton and Carter Hart have all taken leaves of absences from the respective teams. Those are five people. We're not right? saying those are the five, exactly. but we're saying those are five people who have mm-hmm. not only they've taken a leave of absence and when other players have taken a leave of absence, there's been a statement from the PA. Yeah. 
the PA declined to make a statement on those five players. Yes. There is a massive difference. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, because like we because we don't know like yes there are five there are five charges that that are going to be laid and five players have have taken and we don't time know what off. the charges are we don't know the charges are but five players have taken time off we don't know like who knows maybe one of them could have taken time off to be a, a witness or to be some, whatever there may be more leaves of absences that to are come. that are announced to come basically what this what the, what will happen in this is in the next two weeks we will start to see sort of the the the, the wheels turning on this. To the point where the London, the London, Ontario police have scheduled a media conference for February 5th, uh, uh, which happens to be basically exactly two weeks after. Yeah. So what some what a lawyer familiar with the process told me was if they schedule the press conference for the 5th, it means likely that the deadline they were given was February 2nd Mm -hmm. because they need to get them prepared prepared in the court and everything because what happens like you said they've not they're not a danger to the public Mm -hmm. they've like this is not a murderer running around yeah right obviously what they did is abhorrent potentially allegedly yeah but they're not it's not like a serial killer here so what what the process is is they're going to go in likely questioning to the hill here they're Mm going to have their lawyers fingerprinted charged and be released on their own recognizance, which is like, basically, this is your court date. You got to come back and you can't, you can't, you're unlikely to be able to leave the country. Or they won't be able like to leave that. the country. That, like, you, be you ba- have, there will be bond or bail, whichever one and, and all that. Like, No, the- on your own recognizance, there's no bail. That's, that's the difference here. So bail is you actually have no, to sit in a cell, then yeah. you have to go in front of a judge and have a bail hearing. Released Why would they on, be released on their own recognizance? Because of the situation. There people with familiar, it's it works differently for different things. Mm-hmm. Usually bail is only required for violent crimes. Okay. And that means I'm not saying this this is sexual violence. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like you killed somebody. Yeah. So if you're released on on bail, it means you had a bail hearing. Mm-hmm. If you're released on your own recognizance, it's You've been released without like conditions other than like you can't flee and you yeah. have to show back up on this date or a warrant will for be your issued. arrest. Now, you can't leave the country. They're in Canada. Like and, and you have to. And the thing is with with court dates, too, is we don't know how long it'll take for them to set a court date. Right. So that means that these guys, they will not be playing in the in, in the time between this and the court. Date. So the CBA is another. And let's get something perfectly clear here. Their NHL careers, what whoever these five are, mm-hmm. we're not saying it's those, whoever the five are, They're their done. NHL careers do not matter. Mm-hmm. What matters here is justice for the victim. Yes. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about playing in the NHL it's a is privilege. a privilege. A lot of people act like it's a right. It's not. <laughs> it's and you privilege. know what? The burden in Canada is you don't just get to like press charges for no good reason. It's very similar to the US. There has to be reasonable belief. Mm-hmm. To even press charges, reasonable belief in Canada, the bar is 50%. So the Crown believes it is more likely than not mm-hmm. that this happened. If you are criminally charged while under NHL contract, Gary Bettman has the power, I believe, to void your contract. Mm-hmm. I would expect, just given how the NHL has taken this, and they have waited because they were waiting for criminal to see if criminal charges would be laid. I would expect that it is indefinite suspensions while this plays out. Yeah. And then a decision will be made after. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is, it's, it's, it's very difficult. The NHL, I hate to say this, but they are in a difficult situation here. And I think they're handling it correctly. I think they are, but this is a, this, this is a criminal matter. Um, so they don't have the, uh, they, they don't have control over the timeline of this thing. Yeah. Like the London so, police didn't ask the NHL. Yeah. Oh, um, can you, uh, like the, the NHL didn't call up and be like, can you, um, do this before training camp, please? Or can you wait till after the season? The London police are going to be like, yeah, no, we're not doing whatever that. works. But like <laughs> when, when I was in the media conference at the cup final, 
when Gary Bettman was asked about this and he said, we expect sort of like a, a by early summer, you know, mid July, basically. In, in and, the London, and so what happened it just didn't work in the London. Robin Doolittle reported mm-hmm. that there was a in London, there was a change of the crown attorney. And that was the cause yeah. for the delay. So it wasn't the NHL's fault. No. So I think that's important. One thing we also have to talk about, too, is that let's say those those terminate those contract terminations happen or those or that that teams before even Batman can do that, like after they're charged, they terminate their contracts. You're going to see appeals filed by the Players Association, likely for the, these things. To um, and that's only because they have to. I don't think for a criminal charge they can. I think there's a distinction there. I'm not entirely, and this is what I'm saying. Like, well, look at the I don't want to have this that. conversation yeah. yet. The we in times like this is important to like stick to the facts. Yes. And the facts of the matter are the NHL has no control over this. Mm-hmm. This is the London Police timeline. So we need. I actually think the NHL deserves some credit here for not acting too quickly, mm-hmm. because at, there was a long time where we did not think that criminal charges were going to be laid, and now that criminal charges are being laid, it really changes the scope and the, how this is going to be approached. And so I think it's really important to not speculate and to only follow Mm -hmm. the, the investigative journalism of people like Robin Doolittle and the court reporters. The one thing we're definitely not going to do is we're definitely not going to encourage people to find out who the victim is and name her. We're definitely not going to be doing that. Because she's already been through hell. It's likely about to get a whole lot worse. And she deserves, like, it's so hard for victims to come forward. And she deserves nothing but love, kindness, and support. One thing I want to say before we go is I'm glad this is happening because it's been shocking the amount of interference that has been run by people behind the, like that it seems like behind the scenes that, that to, to prevent something that would lead up to this. How many times have we seen, you know, like, like sort of nary reports saying that, you know, Oh, there might not actually be, be charges filed or this, that, the other, like we have to understand that agents are very, uh, you know, most sources are agents and agents will do anything to protect their clients. And there've been a lot of reports that would suggest the complete opposite of what we're seeing and we're about to see. And <clears throat> I think that it is, uh, it's just been shocking to, to, to look back in hindsight and see that, to see the random people going on radio and, and saying, you know, we might not see, see criminal, uh, we don't actually see criminal charges. There are rumblings of that to see people like people pull the strings behind the scenes. And there's been a lot done to try and make sure that this either a doesn't see the light of day or B. Well, think about it. They got the London police, whoever got London police to close the investigation. And it wasn't until the federal government got involved. But even after this, but even after this blew up, we've seen reports from who, who knows how many people um, that have tried to either throw cold water on this, try to downplay it, or try to like try to say, you know, it might not what you think. It might not be as explosive as you think. It might not be as monumental as you think. And like you can't fight like you can't hide from the justice system, really. And so it's nice to see this. But I think it's also very important to say uh, to, to say that, like who to take your who to figure out who to take your information from. And like you're saying, Brick Westhead, Katie Strang, Robin Doolittle, the people that are sitting through, you know, you're sifting through, you know, pages upon pages of court documents who are talking to lawyers and prosecutors and people who are actually involved in the situation opposed to opposed to people who are dialed into league circles who report on this thing. Like it's a trade, you know, or like it's a free agent signing. It's not. And I think it's important that we now let the people who's, and we said this before, but I think it's important that we now let the people whose jobs it is to report on these things, we allow them to report on it. And we uplift their we uplift their work. We uplift their efforts. We uplift, we uplift their, the information that they uncover. Um, but I think it's important that we let them do it. And instead, because of the amount of speculation and the amount of informed speculation behind the scenes, 
doesn't take it doesn't take a scientist to look back at certain reports, look back at certain scoops or or rumblings or rumors and see where that's influenced. And I think that's that's kind of what I was really reflecting on is like, man, just how many people behind the scenes have tried to make this not happen. And now it looks like it's about to. Yeah. And so we're not going to speculate. Mm-hmm. We're going to stick to the facts. Yeah, exactly. Those players have not been formally named. Yep. We just pointed out that there, there happen are to be differences five yeah. between how the PA has handled their mm-hmm. absences versus other, other absences. Yep. Talk about the London police report. We need to stay on this. And let's like, we'll be the first to say we're going to follow this story, mm-hmm. but we are not the preeminent voices. On we're not going to report it. We are both victims of sexual assault mm-hmm. in our past. And so this hits home. The reality is, is you know somebody that has likely been a victim of sexual assault mm-hmm. or sexual violence of some sort. And so while EM might not see your tweet, the they person will. you know might. And, and if you're talking about how, oh no. zero dollars yeah. to be kind. And if you don't know anything, it is better not to say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a great way for us to end. Um, I, I hate doing serious episodes like this, but we have to because this could be. This is we're about to get a reckoning, you know. And it's important that it happens, and it's important that we keep that that we are among the many different media apparatuses that help keep you informed, and we will throughout this conversation. But um, we will be back on Monday. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to uh, the the podcast on any of the podcatchers. I'm looking at a camera that's not working anymore. Um, it's interesting. Uh, um, we uh, subscribe to, to uh, Twitch or follow us on Twitch. We do streams there. We're going to do some Mike's Meals for one. We have a lot of all-star content that's coming uh, that will be in the next week or so, which will be great. And uh, donate to Jumpstart. Jumpstart's our charity of choice. We love them so much. They help economically disadvantaged children um, play team sports, which is extremely important for their, their development just as human beings. Uh, all the links are in the description to download if you can or to d- donate. And if you can i highly highly recommend and and urge you to do so um yeah and until then rachel i guess we will see everyone on monday 